Have you ever felt like there isn't enough time in the day or like you don't have time to take care of your well-being and build your dream? Or maybe you felt like it's impossible for you to go to work and still build that business that you envision at the same time. Well, so have we. And this is why we decided to make this podcast. This podcast is not just for PTs, OTs, MDs, or RNs. It's for everyone in healthcare. Our mission is to inspire you to make healthcare a better place and to build your business or brand through stories and real-life examples of some of the top leaders and entrepreneurs in healthcare. There's no better time than now. Welcome to Off the Clock, the Healthcare Entrepreneurs Podcast. Welcome to another episode of Off the Clock, the Healthcare Entrepreneurs Podcast. As usual, guys, I'm your co-host, Mr. Carl Boyne Jr., and I'm joined by my lovely co-host, Mr. Paulo Ching. Paul, say what's up to the people. What's up, everybody? How y'all doing? I hope you guys are staying safe. Granted, by the time you hear this episode, I hope this whole mess is over. But hope you guys are doing good. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Off the Clock, the Healthcare Entrepreneurs Podcast. Uh, we're very blessed and grateful that each one, one, every one of you guys decided to hop on and take a moment to listen today, especially because today's yes. guest yes. is none other. The one and only, first of all, I think like you might be the first person that we've had on the podcast that I don't even know how to introduce to like fully encapsulate like who you are. Because <laughs> it's funny. It's funny, bro, because she's actually our first speech language pathologist. Exactly. So that's, oh, yes. And that's the thing. This like, is a podcast milestone. This is a podcast <laughs> milestone. And like the other part, too, is just like, it's so amazing that you're doing what you're doing, right? Because one, I'm going to say this, right? I don't care. It's March. Happy Black History Month, guys. Because I actually don't see that many Black SLPs. Right, right. Like everybody that I know that did speech path was not like me. And exactly. I know a lot of them. <laughs> and I've never yeah. before. That's what I'm saying. It's so great because like one, you are representing a group of people that are not commonly represented in the field. And two, you're doing it at a level people are not willing to do. You're doing something that like, especially with the YouTube and everything, right? A lot of people actually don't have the willpower. I'll say willpower. People don't have the willpower to actually discipline themselves to actually be that consistent. Without further ado, guys, this episode, we have Lauren joining us. Lauren is a speech language pathologist, and a lot of you may also know her as Speak From The Heart, Instagram, as well as uh, her YouTube channel. So, Lauren, thank you so much for joining us. We were super excited for this episode. Yeah. So, let's let's just dive right into it. So, speech language pathologist, tell me how how did that even come about? What what made you want to want to you know be in this field? So it's a funny story. I actually wanted to be a lawyer up until my senior year of high school. Um, not really sure why I would make a terrible lawyer, but I was like, oh, you make good money. You know, I don't like to have a job. But I took a sociology class my senior year of high school. We watched a video about a young girl who was locked away for 12 years. She had no human interaction. Her parents didn't interact with her. 
So she did not develop any language. So she had no nonverbal language, no verbal language. And she worked with a speech therapist. And that was my first time actually seeing a speech therapist in action. And I was like, this is so cool. I can work with people. I can teach them how to speak. I can teach them how to swallow. And I immediately changed my major. The next day I contacted Ultimate University and I was like, I want to do speech pathology. And the rest is true. The rest is history. Wow. So this was this wasn't in the plans from from Jump Street. This just it it, it was sprung on you basically. Well, yeah. I should say inspired mm-hmm. um, you know, to you. But I think that's awesome. And, you know, like Paul was saying, it's just for us, it's amazing because literally, you know, <laughs> you were probably the first African-American speech language pathologist that I've met. Wow. And it is incredible to see because you are going above and beyond, you know, just your regular duty and, and, and you're doing more. You're, you're, you're trying to educate the masses, you know, about what speech language pathology, you know, incorporates just different things. One of the things that you actually put out one of your videos about AME, that was very, very, very informative for me because I, I have like, I know about it, Mm -hmm. you know, and I know like I've dibbled and dabbled a little bit, but I didn't really know in depth some of the things you talked about. So for Listeners who may not be familiar with what that is, could you tell us a little bit about what that is and why that's something that you felt was so important to be distributed or or just talked about, you know, to to the masses? Yeah, so AAE stands for African American English, and AAE is a type of dialect, and a dialect is just a rule-based way of language, and so most people use what's called standard American English. And that's what some people refer to as talking proper or speaking white. It's like the proper way of using English. Uh, Within speech language pathology, especially with pediatrics, many African-American kids are labeled as having, you know, different disorders, speech disorders, and also put into special education classes because of the dialect that they use. And, you know, as children, we just, we mimic the speech of our parents and, you know, our grandparents and our aunts and uncles who typically use AAE. It's just how we speak. It's not a disorder. Um, But when you have a speech pathologist that is not familiar with that dialect, they say, oh, wait, this is, this is not proper English. This is not standard American English. And I felt it was important for me because I see all the time on Instagram and on Facebook where a speech pathologist asks a question and says, you know, well, this child produced this specific language technique or language, or maybe a child used a specific sound or said the sound incorrectly. um, And I'm going to refer them for speech therapy, even though they don't really need it because it's just a dialectal difference, not a disorder. And so I felt it was important for me and it was my duty to educate people as a speaker of African-American English so they know this is how it sounds. Just because I speak like this doesn't make me any less professional um, or, you know, competent in my job as a speech pathologist. Um, so it was received pretty well. I was actually very surprised. Even, you know, white SLPs were commenting that they didn't know that these were features of African-American English. They thought they were just language disorder uh, features. So I, it was just put on my heart to put that out there and just edu- educate people too. I just want to make a quick comment because like, I actually don't think people have ever, I, I've never considered that 
to even be a thing where, you know, I think growing up, I, I grew up in a community where standard proper English was spoken and it was almost like shunned upon to speak the way everybody else looked like me spoke. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think to some extent, like I, I realized at some point, like it almost even creates an identity crisis mm, yeah. because you start to feel like, and this is why I like, I love what you're doing because it starts to feel like you're almost like creating this other version of you yeah. that needs to fit in. And then therefore you're like, I can't even imagine what like maybe when your clients or like a kid is going through, right. When they're being told like, yo, like you must have a speech disorder because you don't speak the way everybody else speaks. Right. You know, right. just to even hit that man. Like that's, and I love the fact that you did that because one, no, I've never ever in my life ever seen somebody actually take the time to just put that out there and say, this is a thing. Stop treating it like it's not like, just cause it's different doesn't mean it's wrong. Right. And then to put it at a level where it's like, okay, not because you relate. Right. Cause the other part is like, I can't, the way my girlfriend says it is like for her, like she doesn't even like seeing doctors that don't like relate to what she's been through. And I get it to the point where it's just like, because there's just certain things, right? Like those unspoken, like communication skills or those unspoken like moments that really hit. And like for speech pad, like that's huge. Right. That's huge. So first of all, I just want, I just want to throw that in there. I know I'm gassing you up a lot. I just want to throw that in there just to, just to make a point for the listeners that like, that's no small thing because that matters a lot to a big extent. So now this is what I wanted to ask you after that whole like soliloquy. So what has it been like for you? kind of going through the education because you started like with law I did the same thing too Mm -hmm. and then had like a revelation um (laughs) what's it been like for you like what even put you to want to do law in the first place right and then how does that experience with law correlate with being an SLP Hmm. how do the two connect that's a good question um to be completely honest I don't have a good reason as to why I wanted to do law I think it was just that was one of the most popular career fields at the time. And I I wanted to be successful because I wanted my parents to be proud of me and my family to be proud of me. And I was like, well, a lawyer, you 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 are going to be successful. You're going to get a job. You're going to make lots of money. Like the money, I think, was a big thing for me. And, you know, like as a senior in high school, I wasn't thinking about the happiness part of it. Like, would I be happy being a lawyer? Would this satisfy me? I I don't see any really like connection between law and speech pathology. I'm just really happy and blessed that I was able to be in that class that day, the sociology class, and to see that video. So it opened my eyes to speech therapy because I really feel like this is what I was put on this earth to do. Like this is my passion and I love it. So yeah, like I said, the rest is history from that video. So now let's kind of like go into what it's like because obviously you know not only do we reflect but we're also a teaching podcast right so we like to teach a little bit so just kind of talking to the future SLPs right and it sounds like we're not wrapping up I'm just kind of hitting this now because there's a lot more I want to bring into it but kind of talking to the future SLPs right because there's something that I'm hearing from what you're saying where with the law you're just like yeah we're doing it because we're doing it but with choosing this career and this career like kind of popping in and saying this is what I want what what are you saying to them right to help them realize like this is for them one and two their career field 
can be built the way they want to be, not just the way it's like indoctrinated it to them in school. Right. What, do you, right. what are you saying to them to get them to see like they can do it their own way? So I think like the first step is awareness. So like I said, before I watched that video, I had never even heard of speech therapy as a career. You know, we hear about doctors and lawyers and teachers, like the really popular career fields, but I think it starts with being exposed to careers like speech therapy or even physical therapy, some of those career fields that career fields that aren't as well known. So I, you know, if I was talking to someone who was maybe in high school right now, senior in high school, the first thing would be to just really explore what's out there. Kind of take notice of what your passion is. If, do you enjoy working with people? Do you enjoy children? Do you enjoy giving back to your community? And just seeing what's out there that kind of aligns with your passions and seeing if there is a career that's out there for you to make you happy. Because the thing is, like I said, I could have gone to law school and been a lawyer and made lots of money, but I would be completely miserable because my passion lies within speech therapy. So the first thing, like I said, is just exploring what's out there and, and being aware of what's out there too. I think it's so funny that you say that just because like I'm thinking of my own experience with my schooling. And originally, you know, I never intended to go into physical therapy as well. Mm -hmm. In fact, I had no idea what physical therapy was until maybe my junior, senior year of college. And for the longest time in my head, I had, uh, when I came into school, I was thinking pre-med. And it was kind of for like the same reason as you, like I, the money, I'm like, oh, you're going to make a lot of money. But I think what you just said is so key because a lot of people, they, they tend to chase the money. And they chase the money just to find themselves being miserable. Mm -hmm. And that was something for me that I was like, okay, I'm not willing to compromise this. Like, yes, I do need money to sustain myself and to provide, but I don't want to trade money at the expense of my sanity or my happiness. And so I think that it's so amazing that you were able to, you know, realize that and recognize like, yeah, like, sure, I can go and I can be a lawyer and, you know, I'll, I'll be well off, but will I really be happy? Mm -hmm. You know? And I think that when you find what you're truly happy about, like everyone can tell that your heart is in it. Everyone can tell you love it. When I'm on Instagram and I scroll by and I see you post something or I go on YouTube and look at one of your videos, like I see that happiness, you know, I, I see the, the, the confidence and the passion exuded, you know, and I can tell like, she loves this, like she's right. happy. And I think that's also a, a, a big thing, which kind of leads me into my next question, which is when you're putting stuff out there, when you're, when you're putting out content, when you're putting out these videos, and you're trying to build your following. I think for a lot of up and coming entrepreneurs or people that are trying to build their brand, one of the things that they struggle with is being able to have that confidence on camera. And I think that that can also stem from not really sure, not being really sure like what they're going to talk about, how they're going to deliver their message. So if you could give any advice to anyone who is just trying to figure out like, okay, like, like, I know I want to, I want to start 
a YouTube. You know, like I know I want to put videos out there, but I don't I don't know how I should go about doing it. I don't know how I should decipher, um, you know, my content. And I don't know how to work on my confidence to be able to be in front of the camera and, and record and, and, you know, be fine with it. What advice would you give to to those people that are listening that are wondering those types of things to get started? So it's something I'm still learning even to this day. Um, <clears throat> I think the first thing, so like when I started my YouTube channel, I made it a point to build up my Instagram following first so that I could ask people, you know, what do you want to see from me? Um, I had a big following of students. So I tried to make my first few videos geared towards SLP students, undergrad and graduate students. And so I use like the Instagram functions, like the polls and the questions. What do you want to see? Do you want this to be a vlog? Do you want this to be more informative? So I would say that's the biggest thing is to, you know, ask your audience, what do they want to see? Um, I spend a lot of time looking at videos about how to edit videos on YouTube, how to use iMovie. Yeah, I spend a lot of time looking at videos about editing. So I, because I don't like to put out things that are like mediocre. That's just me. I'm like a perfectionist. So I took the time to really study how can I edit a video, but still make the content relevant to those who are going to watch it. Um, so I did take time to, to do that. And then another thing that I do too is plan out my video. So I have a notebook that I write all of my video ideas down in and each week or each, like every couple of weeks, I'll just pick a video randomly. So um, I have them written down and I'll just kind of circle one and that's the video that I'll do for the day. But I do make sure to write down my ideas that they come to me or if someone requests a video, I write it down. And then before I actually record, I like write out a script for myself. So, you know, this is the outline. Um, these are the five tips or the 10 tips I'm going to give. And this is how I'm going to expand on it. So that way, when I record, I'm not like tripping over my words. And I edit a lot because I say um a lot. You'll probably notice it in this podcast. Um, <laughs> but I just try to make it so it's not so scattered and all over the place. So that's something else I would recommend is investing in a really nice notebook or even like in your notes app in your phone and just writing down a script for your video. So that way you know exactly what you want to talk about when you turn the camera on. And then as far as like being confident in front of the camera, I think that just comes with time. I still like when I edit my videos, I cringe like when I look at myself because I'm like, do I really look like that and sound like that? But... <laughs> it's just you know it just comes with time you get more comfortable and I'm like well the content is relevant people like it and it's helpful so that's really all that matters I like that you said you ask the people what they want mm -hmm. you know versus just like pitting stuff out there and right. assuming like it's gonna you know hit the wall no nah, that's it you're a professional Carl she's a professional she's a whole professional I, I know I know that's why we had to get her on here she answered the question I was about to ask too. That's the crazy part. <laughs> I was going to be like, give us three things. No, she said, nah, I'll give you 10 right now. <laughs> no, okay. So now let me ask you a few questions that kind of just relate like around like what you expect to come out mm -hmm. of this on the other side, right? Okay. So meaning like, what are your goals? Like your action goals? What are your tangible goals? Actually, better yet, before you answer that question, I told you to ask a lot of questions. But before you ask that question, what I want you to answer is this. How do you actually like set up your discipline and your like 
daily routine right now. Okay. Because I think for people to even get to the point where that when I said like it's no joke what you do, because I just tried to edit a video from like mm-hmm. a trip the other day and it took me four hours and I was sick. <laughs> I was like, that's a Saturday night, I'm never getting back. But like, how do you set yourself to even like get that discipline and that routine? What are like the actual like tangible things you do to put yourself put yourself in a position to win? Because I think people actually need to hear that. Yeah. Right. Because as soon as they hear like everything you're doing, just you said amazing things. Mm-hmm. But I promise you, like, even me, I can't just pop up and start doing those things. Like right. I need to be doing what you're doing on the day in, day out, that boring, like mundane daily stuff. What are those things that get you to even to that point where you're like you're editing and getting the stuff out and cutting out the bullets? Like what yeah. do you do? So I guess the first thing is a shift in mindset because I've gone like months without doing a YouTube video. And then I tell myself, well, how are you going to inspire the future of speech pathology if you don't put the content out? So like your, your purpose is not being fulfilled because you're just being lazy. So I I am hard on myself and I like, I do a lot of self-talk like Lauren, you have people messaging you and telling you that you're an inspiration and they want to see this from you and that from you. And I know you're tired sometimes when you get off of work, but sometimes you just have to push yourself. So I always um, engage in self-talk and really always keeping my, my main goal in my mind. And that's really how I'm able to commit to editing a video or, you know, making an Instagram post. Because it takes me a long time to do Instagram posts, too. But I also, like, reward myself. So if I make a video, this is going to sound really funny, but, like, I'll, like, make myself a bowl of ice cream. Like, if you edit this video, then you get a bowl of ice cream. Or if you edit this video, then you get to do something fun. So I set up like these little rewards for myself. So it makes it, it makes me more motivated to do the video because it does take a while for me to edit. No, I, I don't think that's crazy at all. I think, I think that's a good thing because one of the things that I've really tried to embrace is being able to celebrate the small wins, yeah. you know, because it's like those little wins eventually add up to a big one. And I think it also gives you, it gives you the ability to always have something that you're working towards, even though it's something, you know, as small as like a bowl of ice cream, like it's something, you know, and it's something that causes you to be like, okay, if I do X, Y, Z, this is going to be the result. And this is going to be how I reward myself. So I think that's great. Um, How long, how long have you had your, your YouTube channel now? So it's been about a year and a half. A year and a half. Yeah. And it this was like never in my plan. I had no intentions of doing a YouTube channel, but I had a family member come to me one day and she's like, I, I don't even know what speech therapy is. You always talk about it on Facebook and Instagram, but I have right. no idea what you do. And so that kind of inspired me to, well, maybe I should make a video and have this on a place where multiple people could come in and watch and just learn a little bit more about what I do. So that really was like the inspiration for starting the channel first. Okay. And so a year and a half, how currently right now, how many subscribers are you at? Hold on. I can check for you. (laughs) Almost at a thousand. I'm really proud of myself. Almost at 1K. I know. So I'm at 910. Wow. Yeah. So it's growing. I don't, do you ever like, 
like really like take a take a step back and and think like like damn i got 900 i got 900 people that want to listen to like what i have to say you know like that isn't that crazy it is crazy yeah I, like I said, I never intended for this and to know that, you know, people are genuinely interested in what I have to say and interested in progressing in the field. That just, it makes my heart so happy. Like it's all right. Yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think that's really amazing. And that, you know, when me and you first, you know, interacted and, and we talked about you coming on the podcast, mm -hmm. it's funny because I remember at that point you were at like eight something yeah I can't remember the exact number but you were at eight something mm -hmm. so since then you've you've done some growth and, and that's that's dope to see you know yeah. um I think from from for myself what's so amazing about it is the fact that I have heard numerous people say before like oh I want to start a YouTube channel um you know I want to I want to post videos and stuff like that and three months in four months in six months in they're not getting the result they want. And they're like, well, you know, maybe this isn't for me, you know, and you've been grinding at this for a year and a half, mm -hmm. you know, and, and you're almost at, at 1k, like you'll, I'm sure you'll get that soon, but that's just amazing because it's like, if you can get 1000, you can get 2000. If you mm -hmm. can get 2000, you can get four, you know, you can right. get eight, you can get 10. I think that that's no easy feat. And you should definitely be very proud of that because uh, a lot of people are not built to be able to keep going, you know, right. at, at YouTube. So I think that's amazing. Okay. Have you, yeah, of course, have you given any thought to, to possibly doing like a, a YouTube course or anything like that, you know, to, to teach people how to build their YouTube following? Because I'm sure you've like been able over the last year and a half to decipher like your own strategy you know to continue to grow your following you know I have not thought about that but that's not a bad idea I still feel like myself I'm still a beginner as far as you know learning the tricks of, of YouTube and how to edit and just make it so people want to watch your channel and your videos but maybe in the future that's something that I'll consider okay all right no, I, I definitely will be on the lookout for that because I, I think that's something that you could definitely do really well with, yeah. and uh, that would be exciting to see. So, in terms of YouTube, in terms of like how you go about building your following, are there like any hidden gems, like any like little uh, tips or strategies that you're willing to tell, um, you know, entrepreneurs or beginners because I mean you say you're a beginner and <laughs> I, yeah. I don't I, I don't consider <laughs> I don't consider I don't know what's going on here <laughs> right, right. <laughs> let's see I think so the most important thing for me and the way that I you know I rely on my subscribers but I also rely on tags so YouTube had kind of like um hashtags on Instagram YouTube you have the ability to put in tags that are related to your video so I always put the same tags in every video and I change a couple depending on the topic of the video. But I think that's how I get a lot of traffic to my channel is by putting in, you know, speech therapy, speech therapy um, students, SLP, speech language pathologist. So it's literally the same 
you know, gist, but each tag is different. Um, so when people go into YouTube and they're looking up speech therapists or black SLP, they're able to go right to my channel. So that's really, I think, the most important tip if someone's out there trying to start a channel to make sure your tags are on point so people can find you and, you know, you can let your channel work for you. And also titles, titles of the video. Um, that's really important, too, because you want it to grab the person's attention. Your thumbnails should be really catching, you know, simple, but catching to the eye. Um, so, yeah, I think those are the, the top three things. Okay, sweet. So first of all just even with like being able to set up the youtube thing right so you just not like you are a professional i say this just because like even thinking at that meticulous of a level i think a lot of us tend to like glaze over it and just assume like i'll just put a video up and like I, you know i've gone through like the whole the youtube type thing for like my business youtube page and i'm failing miserably because i don't know what to do <laughs> but like I want to kind of shift gears now, okay? So you've been using the platform of YouTube. You've been using the platform of Instagram. What would you say has been like more of a successful platform for you in terms of getting the content you want to get out the way you want to get it out and why? Um, I would probably say Instagram. And the only reason I'd say that is because I think I reach more people on Instagram um, some people just don't feel like going to my bio and clicking the link and then you have to go and change your browser and look at the YouTube video, which I understand. Um, but I do have a bigger following on Instagram. Uh, I use the hashtags to try and target students and, you know, establish SLPs, but <clears throat> I have a much bigger following there. I get a lot more um, interaction on Instagram as well. I receive messages daily from students who just need tips about grad school and the GRE and just kind of operating as a new speech pathologist. So I would definitely say Instagram as far as being able to interact with more people, but YouTube is, I guess, more of my creative side. So, you know, I'm hoping to build my following more on YouTube as well. When you're thinking about, okay, so there's this thing we do like for my business personally, mm -hmm. where um, we're a physical therapy business. And what we did is we created like an avatar, like our ideal mm -hmm. client that we want to serve and like who they are, like they shop at Target and they like have two kids and they have a husband, like whatever, like we broke it down. So right. when you go about like actually creating your content, do you do that kind of thing? Um, do you think about like, who's this actually for? Because I think that's the other part, like with like, when it comes down to getting our content and doing business stuff as an entrepreneur, we, we unfortunately are forced to like think at a very large scale level. Mm -hmm. So for example, it's like, you haven't noticed, well, everybody knows this at this point, like you think something and Facebook tells you what you thought like three days later. But okay. I was actually reading this article about how Target, we're just going to use them, how Target actually targets people in that like it's almost crazy where say you are gonna have a kid right if you're gonna have a kid target has their algorithm down to the point where they can predict when you're gonna have your child and they will literally send you specific ads by the week to the mm -hmm. point like by the time you're like oh i didn't need i need like three cribs you know for one kid in two months like they'll get it down there so how do you build it out and what do you think is the best approach to take because i'm assuming it has to be different for youtube versus like for instagram right so what do you do in like making sure you can get to the right people 
So, and I think I mentioned this before, but I think my, my main target audience is students. So speech pathology students, undergrad and grad. And so I like to take time and think about what did I want to know more about as a student, you know, whether it was graduate or undergraduate. And sometimes I'll write out questions like, I wanted to know more about the GRE, or I wanted to know about how to navigate through my clinical externships. So I write those questions down and that's what helps me come up with the topics. But the same thing for my Instagram page, I still mostly target to, you know, students, but also to newer SLPs. So being able to introduce different treatment techniques that, you know, we learn about in graduate school, but we don't actually get to practice them. And again, just trying to give some inspiration to future SLPs. But I think my ideal like target audience is the student because I was there and at one point I didn't have a mentor. I didn't know what I was doing. I didn't know what the GRE was. So I always try to put myself back in that space and think, well, what, what would I have wanted from a mentor? So I kind of see myself as like a virtual mentor for all of these followers. Okay. So now what I want to know, because now like you're, first of all, you know, you, you said something super important where like you didn't have a mentor. And I think, you know, with starting like even doing, say for example, like I'm a pre-PT and Carl's like in PT school. I actually joined the program where Carl is my coach okay. as a pre-PT. So th- there's moments like Carl's actually one of the, besides like my significant other, mm-hmm. my best friend, like there's moments like where I think it's almost important to have that mentor aspect because like, I think it was just, last was it Thursday or something I texted him I was like bro like I don't know what's going on with my applications like yeah. you know corona's got me jacked up like <laughs> school's not saying anything like what's going yeah. on it's crazy so uh, so I think it's like it's key that you said like you are a mentor because now you're putting on a hat mm-hmm. that encompasses so much more right right and I think for a lot of people listening to the podcast podcast what they need to understand is this one, like having the right mentor matters so much. Like one of the worst things that can happen to you is that you take all the right s- steps in the wrong direction because you had somebody that was where you wanted to be, but the way they did it is not the way you're supposed to do it. Exactly. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And so like when somebody looks at you and says like, yo, I'm gonna get on Lauren's page today and I just need something. Like I put the African-American English joint like on my story. Right. Mm-hmm. Because like one, I just like I remember seeing it. And I was like, dang, like that's dope. But then I was like, other people need to listen to it because more so as a mentor, you're yeah. doing a lot more than just coaching. You're like, OK, well, these are the set of steps you probably should take mm-hmm. and I will help you see the world as you should see it. But at the end of the day, you're almost like saying, but you also got to do the work. So what's the hardest part about being a mentor? Because I know like for me, it would piss me off. Right. It does actually low key sometimes when I'm talking to like a few people. I'm like, uh-huh. do this, do that, you know, this is where you want to go. And then like they don't do it. And then months yeah. later we're having a conversation. Like <laughs> that's true. That that can be frustrating. Um, yeah. So so what is it about like being a mentor? Because we gotta be real. Like what you know, it's not all day days unless it is. Unless okay. every day is like sunshine and rainbows. What is it about a mentor that like pushes you to the brink? <laughs> Um, so to be completely honest, I mean, I'm, I'm organized, you know, like at work, I'm organized with paperwork, but personally, 
I'm very unorganized. Like, you know, I try to do as much as I can with YouTube and Instagram, but sometimes I have literally 15 students messaging me on Instagram or on YouTube asking me, what should I do about this? Or, you know, um, should I ask my professor this? And I encourage questions. That's not the issue at all. But I think sometimes just personally for me, I can get overwhelmed because I want to make sure I'm doing everything I can perfectly for these students who are reaching out to me. I don't want to let them down. I don't want to steer them in the wrong direction. And then they come back and look at me like, well, you told me to do this. Um, so it's kind of like that pressure of trying to be the, the perfect mentor, not necessarily worrying about if they'll take the advice or not, because ultimately that's in their hands. I can only give them the advice and hope that they, you know, take it and use it wisely. But sometimes I think I just am trying to be the perfect mentor. I want them to succeed. I want them to do their best. And that pressure can be a little bit overwhelming sometimes. If that makes sense. Yeah, no, that 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 definitely makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, I I think <laughs> I, I definitely can uh, agree with that because, like like Paul was saying, for for the program that he's a part of and that I'm a part of, I mentor, mm-hmm. you know, and, and I coach, and I've coached a lot of students, you know, thus far, and I think for me that it it gets to a point sometimes where one of my biggest struggles is trying to figure out how I can be better for my mentees. Right. Because I think sometimes you, you can get to a point where you feel like you kind of hit a wall. Mm-hmm. And once you get to, to that point, it's like, okay, how can I continue to get better? How can I continue to grow? Because I feel like in order for you to continuously pour into multiple students and take on the new students and the new personalities that are coming. You have to make sure that you're doing enough to pour into yourself and, and invest in yourself and build yourself up. And so for you, is there anything that you kind of like, like do, or you try to to make sure uh, that you I guess, basically, how do you decipher, like, this is what I need to do in order for me to continue to grow so that I can give students the best version of me? So the number one thing is to unplug. Um, You know, social media, it consumes our lives. And literally, sometimes I'll spend just 30 minutes on Instagram or on YouTube or Facebook. And that's 30 minutes I could have been doing something productive. But especially when I get an influx of messages or, you know, just people or or students looking for advice, sometimes I literally just have to take a break. So it might be like for a week, it might be two weeks, but I do not get on my Instagram. I don't check my YouTube. Um, Sometimes I'll put something up like, hey, I'm going on a hiatus. And then, you know, I come back feeling refreshed. But, you know, I, I am still a professional. I'm still working and I have clients to take care of. So it's just important for me to have that balance, to take time for myself. Um, That's also a time that, you know, I I try to come up with new ideas for videos or new content, but definitely stepping away and just having time for myself. And I think that helps me grow, you know, on YouTube and on Instagram and for my mentees um, and my followers, but also for my patients as well at work. Yeah, absolutely. That 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 makes complete sense. So we I feel like we've talked a lot about, you know, just like 
the the good and, and, and the growth, you know, that, that has come from you starting the YouTube. And I feel like we would be doing the listeners a disservice if we didn't ask you. So obviously you've seen success. Obviously, you know, things are things are going well. But we know that along with success comes failure. Mm-hmm. So along the journey, what do you think have been the most difficult thing that you've kind of had to encounter or that you've had to overcome, you you know, in order to keep putting out content and in order to like break through those mental barriers that you, you had, you know, whether it be doubting yourself or just, you know, not, not knowing if your content was good content, like kind of, kind of walk us through that. Like, how did you overcome those things and what were some of those struggles that you kind of dealt with, you know, as you were trying to continue growing your brand through YouTube? Well, imposter syndrome is real. And so there are other YouTubers who are SLPs that have, you know, excellent videos. They have so many subscribers. And I know when I first started, I was like, well, if there's already someone up here talking about this content, then why am I even thinking about doing it? So I did, you know, I put it off for a while after my family member came to me about, you know, maybe you should do a YouTube channel. Um, just because I'm like, well, there's already somebody else doing it. So I'd just be wasting my time. But I felt like there was a reason why my family member came to me and expressed this and told me that this is something that I should do. There's a reason why everything happens. Um, and I guess it was just kind of getting past that whole thing of I might not be good enough. You know, my content may not be what people are looking for. And, you know, I'm probably just going to look like a mess on camera, just trying to get like past those doubts and those insecurities. It was hard, but I think, you know, just just letting myself know that this is for the students. This is for people who have had strokes. This is for my patients. I'm, I'm trying to just make a difference in the community. And so, like I said, I think the imposter syndrome was the most difficult thing because, you know, even to this day, sometimes I'll record a whole video and then just delete it because I'm like, this is trash. This is not going to get any views. People are going to think this is a stupid topic. I mean, I've done that more than once. And so it's just, you know, there's a reason why this topic came into my head. God put this on my heart because someone needed to hear it. And I just have to always keep that in my mind as well. Yeah. You know, I would have never guessed. Yeah. (laughs) That's crazy. I I would have never guessed. So I just, I kind of want to hit that a little bit. Mm -hmm. Right. Because I think I I know, not I think, I know somebody that just heard that, that just like hit them in the depths of their soul. Mm -hmm. Um, Because personally for me, that's something I used to struggle with a lot. Like I think it's gotten to the point where now I just, literally don't care so I'm like if I embarrass myself I embarrass myself but how how do you deal with like knowing that because you're putting out valuable content but somewhere in the back of your mind that has to be playing right in the back of your mind like other people are doing this they have like better cameras they have better mics they have better sound engineering yada 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 Mm -hmm. so how do you hear that and still tell yourself like I'm still going to do it what is it that's clicked for you that says it doesn't matter what the voice in the back of my head is saying like I'm still going to get this stuff out there 
Yeah, that's a good question. I think it's honestly, it's just, it's just my passion. My passion kind of overrides the doubts and the insecurities and, you know, that little voice in my head telling me, well, this is like, this is not going to be a good video. It's just my passion for helping people and spreading awareness about speech pathology as a field, uh, a career field. And like I said, I mean, it, it creeps up every time I do a video. I, I spend at least an hour and a half editing my videos, taking things out, uh, rearranging my content because I do want it to be perfect. And I know perfect isn't attainable, but it's, it's just keeping that, that goal in my mind of this is for people to better themselves. This is to inspire. This is to educate. And that's really what keeps me going. Let, let me let me finish my questioning with this last portion. So I think at the end of the day, I guess a question we've never asked. So this is really a milestone one. So something I think we've actually never asked. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to ask, instead of saying why entrepreneurship, I'm going to say why SLP, right? Because like for you, you, you were doing the pre-law thing and then like just light came from heaven and you're like ah, i found my life calling so yeah. for because there's definitely somebody who's listening like either one right i'm seeing this giant giant way where people are definitely changing their career paths or people that like have wanted to do it or somebody's in high school or like as a undergrad and like you know mm-hmm. they're thinking about making that switch so like almost like state the case right this is me just bring out the lawyer side of you state the case <laughs> why why speech uh language pathology so, you know, we, we take the ability to communicate and, and talk with our friends and family and, you know, use nonverbal communication. We, we take that for granted. Um, every time we speak, every time we inhale and open our mouth and our tongue starts moving and our lips start moving, we take that, that action for granted. And the fact that I am able to help people say what they want to say, to help people eat their favorite meals, um, I don't even know how to explain it. It's, it just, it fulfills me, you know, every day I go to work and sometimes, you know, I don't want to be there that early, but every day I leave work, I feel fulfilled. I feel like I'm doing exactly what I'm supposed to do. I may have helped a, 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 you know, a stroke victim say, I love you to his wife, or I may have had someone who hasn't eaten solid foods in years, be able to eat a cracker, their favorite food. And it's just, it's like these little things um, where we take for granted, you know, you and I, people who we can speak and we can eat and we can do everything normally, we take it for granted, but it's, it's so special. And I feel very, very blessed to be able to have a part in someone's life, helping them with those types of things. Wow. Yeah. Wow, 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 wow. Sorry. <laughs> that, had me, that had me speechless. Well, we have a perfect person to fix that. <laughs> right. <laughs> no pun intended. <laughs> That's a good one. <laughs> Um, <laughs> sorry. Really, really, and truly, Lauren. Like it's just, it's been just so amazing. You know, when you ask if you're doing a good job, like you're doing a phenomenal job. Um, I think that for us, we just when we have guests come on, like for us, it's about being able to allow them to have the opportunity to let their passion come out. You know let listeners see that side of them that they may not see from your YouTube videos, you know, right. um, you know, and, and maybe it's something that 
it causes people to go to your YouTube, you know, or causes them to interact with you more. But it's just so incredible, like hearing you say the things you're saying, because it sounds like what fulfillment is supposed to be. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know that in me and Paul's first, this, this is our, our, our second podcast. We had a podcast before that, that we had to, we had to kind of go in a different direction. Yeah. But one of the things that we talked about on, on that podcast that it just, it, it literally just came and just smacked me in the back of the head just now when you said that was being able to decipher passion from purpose. Hmm. And I think that for you, you, you found your purpose because your purpose is something that it's, it's, it's bigger than you. You know, yeah. it's not just about you. It's about, it's about impact. It's about legacy as opposed to your passion. You know, that's, that's you. It's, it's something that, you know, is, is for your benefit. So like your purpose is to help patients be able to do the things you, you, you just talked about saying, I love you, you know, uh, eating their favorite food versus your passion, which is YouTube you know, and, and putting your content out there. But I think that it's a powerful thing when your passion and your purpose can intertwine. Yeah. And I think that's what's so unique about you and so unique about just your platform is because I feel like I see both in the midst of it. Yeah. So it's just, it's, it's been, it's been so amazing, you know, just, just having you on. Yeah. Um, and, I think that a lot of people are going to get goosebumps listening to this episode because I definitely got some chills, um, you know, hearing, hearing you talk about, you know, your passion and and your purpose. And I want to take this time to tell you, thank you. We appreciate you for making time for us and and being on the podcast. Uh, it, It really does mean a lot. And before we let you go, for anyone who's listening and, you know, they've, they've heard this episode now and now they want to get in contact with you. They want to they follow you. They want to, you know, subscribe to your content. Um, go ahead and, 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 and tell them, you know, like the handles and how they can find you. Yeah. So if you want to connect with me on Instagram, you can find me at speakfromtheheart.slp. And on YouTube, it is Speak From The Heart. And if you want to email me, I can answer any questions. It's services.speakfromtheheart at gmail.com. All right. Well, there we have it. Lauren, just add one last you. thing. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, no. Go ahead. I think, I don't know why. I just, I felt it on my heart. So I just need to. Please come so, to the front. Go ahead. I just feel inspired to like to ask you to just leave us like with a nugget of wisdom. Is you are wise, like beyond your years. So go ahead, drop drop down, drop a nugget of wisdom for us to um, go with. Let me see. So I this popped in my head like maybe last the beginning of last year. So there's just a lot going on in my life. And this quote popped in my head and it was, you are exactly where you need to be right now. And I know that sometimes we're always looking for, you know, trying to be better. And and it's good, like, to plan for the future. But for right now, you're all that you need to be. You're in the right place. God has you here for a reason. 
um, and just, you know, marinate in that moment, plan for the future, of course, but just don't beat yourself up because of where you are right now. Maybe you're not where you want to be because as life continues and you have more experiences, you know, things will get better. That's a mic drop right there. <laughs> no, seriously, we, we couldn't have ended the episode on a better note. So once again, like seriously, from the bottom of my heart, thank you. Um, this, this episode was amazing. I can't wait to go back and listen to it, um, you know, and, and get goosebumps all over again. Uh, but I, I think that just a lot of the stuff in terms of YouTube as well was very helpful. And, you know, you talked about some things that, you know, I never considered, you know, if, in terms of uh, YouTube and how you can continue to grow your brand and your following. And I have people that want to build uh, their YouTube account and they don't know a lot of the things that you talked about. Um, you know, they've been like just hitting a wall. So I'm definitely going to direct them to this episode. Um, and I mean, they'll, they'll, they'll hear all your handles. So I'm sure if they have any questions as well, they'll reach out to you, but thank you for your time. This was amazing. Of course, of course. And hopefully we can do this again in the future. Yeah. I'm looking forward to it already. Yeah, maybe at that point you'll be at what ten thousand, <laughs> like fifty thousand. We, we might have to, we might have to talk to her assistant. I don't know. Oh. <laughs> yeah, yeah, schedule it. Put it in the books. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Lauren. Thank you so much, guys. Thanks y'all for listening. This was another edition of Off the Clock. Catch you guys next time. Peace. Peace. Thank you for listening to another episode of Off the Clock. This episode was brought to you by The Accepted System. The Accepted System is a program that helps pre-physical therapy students get into physical therapy school without wasting time or money. This episode was also brought to you by PhysioMemes. PhysioMemes helps PT businesses to increase their referrals through word of mouth marketing by growing their brand with an online store. PhysioMemes. This episode was also brought to you by the Acceptance Navigator series. Most pre-PT students go on to spend hundreds of dollars applying to multiple DPT programs, with the majority of them having less than 40% confidence that they will actually get accepted that cycle. You have been taught that regardless of all the work you put into applying, you really don't have much control over your acceptance into PT school. The truth is, you actually do. Let the Acceptance Navigator series show you how. You can find them at www.acceptancenavigator.com. When you go on there, make sure to let them know that Paul and Carl sent you over to jumpstart your acceptance into physical therapy school. Thank you for listening and keep tuning in.